Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. I told the Big 12 and the Big East to do this. 15 years ago, the Big East is dead. The Big 12 is almost dead. <laughs> Don't be stupid. Pete Thamel. A brat kicked on the sidewalk of a game. <laughs> With SI's Pat Forty. A more fun, interesting, inclusive playoff. Take the prize. Unwrap it and embrace it. Do it. It's not that hard. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. I welcome the pod College Football Management Committee set to meet Wednesday in uh, North Texas. Are they at their favorite place? Gotta be. Gotta be the at Gaylord. that Gaylord Marriott thingy. Yeah. Get the cream corn. Get the, the queso get the, ranch. <laughs> queso ranch. Get the cream corn. Get the steak. Get the queso. Not even that convenient to the airport. Is it like That place is not. No. Nah, yeah, but everything that is convenient to the airport's like horrible. So, yeah, these guys don't do horrible. No, they do not. I think a few of them are probably flying in private, too. They are probably flying in private. There's some backroom deal on it. I mean, there's something. (laughs) It's like on one of the bowl. When we did uh, we did our all our bowl investigations, we found this one hotel. I won't say where because we never could quite prove the, the deal, but they would make all the teams stay at this very, very nice hotel overpriced. And then the uh Bowl director just happened to have his daughter married there. <laughs> oh, <Yeah. laughs> what Could a be... coincidence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is college football, but this is what also happens. The management committee might screw it all up. Imagine. So we had a, a widespread excitement over the summer when the 12 team playoff came out. The proposal, you know, we're, we're, we're arguing details. Should there be more home games? Should there be this or that? It was all, I, I think uh, Clive Koff said, it's all in the margins. And then Texas and Oklahoma moved to the SEC and everyone got all hot and bothered and angry. And then they all hitting the brakes and you get these bizarre statements. West Virginia saying they're not going <laughs> to vote for it. What? <laughs> <laughs> the pac 12s not sure. Greg Sankey, who's under the, the the heat lamp here with his his peers, he just basically told the Orlando Sentinel he doesn't care. We can stay at four. I can go to 16. It uh, doesn't matter. This is about looking at the big picture of college football. He's right. I hope so. The Big 12, the ACC, the Big 10, and the Pac-12 should be running to this deal. If anyone can 
don't get me wrong, please do. Running. Take the 12. Get yourself an automatic bid. Get yourself a chance to put someone else in there. Stop worrying if there's going to be three or four uh, SEC teams in there. Stop letting personal animosity and politics get in the way of what's best for your league. If the Big 12 opposes this thing and tries to punt it, it literally could be the end of the Big 12, which is already pretty much on the on the doorstep of being over because they haven't supported this for the last 20 years. This is the only lifeline. You hit the Titanic. Get in the boat. <laughs> Am I wrong, Pat Forty? No, you know, you're right that this is, I mean, the SEC is the, should be the only league that's okay with four. Everybody else should be saying bigger, 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 because the SEC is the only one that's been guaranteed to be in every playoff. Uh, and on, on one occasion have multiple teams in the playoff and in perpetuity now with, with, you know, 16 teams is going to be guaranteed to be in a four team playoffs. So everybody else should be giving their league a better chance to be in what matters, not the Duke's Mayo Bowl or the Sun Bowl or any other bowl game, any of that crap. It doesn't matter. It's nice little filler for ESPN <laughs> for their, you know, inventory. It's OK for so, a few fans. Some of the players like it. Some of the players don't. But everybody should want to be in the playoff and should be tr trying to get an expanded playoff that lets their team their conference have a better chance. It's, it's completely antithetical to want anything else. Now. The roadblock, of course, is very much aimed at we don't want the SEC to tell us what to do, and we sure don't want ESPN to tell us what to do and for ESPN to make all the money on the playoff. And I, I understand those reactions, but don't spike an expanded playoff out of spite for that and out of a, a network kerfuffle. The strategy of the ACC, Pac-12, and Big Ten who found Jesus and suddenly objected to the playoff after really not saying much after it was announced, is a strategy of obstruction, not a strategy of outcome. Because the outcome favors all of them. I believe the Big Ten, if you historic back the playoff and, and made it 12, would actually have gotten more teams in than the, than the SEC over the history of the college football playoff. That's a good outcome. The Pac-12 hasn't had any good outcome since Mark Helfrich was the coach at Oregon. People have already forgotten Mark Helfrich was the coach <laughs> at Oregon. And the ACC has been a one-man band marching down the street for a long time with Clemson. They could use some people riding shotgun. So they get it. The SEC is pulling away from everyone. Everybody freaked out and decided they didn't like the process. We don't like the process. Well, guess what? You like the result. So let's get to the result. And the tension with the result remains, do we let ESPN broadcast the rest of this? Clearly, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten aren't going to let that happen. The ACC, they are contractually obligated to ESPN through somewhere around 2087. So they really don't have much say in everything. But the Fox-leaning, if you will, pardon the, uh, pardon the political pun, the Fox-leaning conferences, which are the, uh, which are the Big Ten and, and the Pac-12, are not going to let ESPN be the sole broadcaster of this. They've made that very clear in their statements, and that is understandable. That is the one objection that makes some sense, because they're going to want a contract from Fox. ESPN's money is moderately dried up, not totally and completely, but a lot of it has been dedicated to the SEC. A lot of it will be dedicated to the playoff. There is a very smart fiscal rationale going forward of having two broadcasters of your postseason. And so that's the... That's the, the needle that needs to be threaded here. And 
Threading that needle is going to be difficult because you're going to have to get ESPN to the table. You're going to have to give them some stuff. You're going to have to get them to take some stuff away. If you want this thing to start in what? What was the 2020? 2023. Three. That's the earliest possible. Or 2026. That's the, that's the best thing for the sport. But no, but remember, remember when everyone in the playoff asked, oh, this is the best thing for the sport. We're looking out for the sport. Yeah, that, that died quick. If we could summon some of that kumbaya over the queso and jalapeno cream corn in Dallas and focus on the actual issues and not the perceived issues, it would be much appreciated for progress. I do think... I saw the first one somewhere on Twitter this week and I didn't click on it, but like, what would the 12 team look like? There's going to be an inherent pressure every week of what would the 12 team look like? And it'd be like, hey, George Klievkoff, you guys are left out once Oregon ends up slipping on a banana peel somewhere along the line here. Like, do you really want to be left out? Or you can sign up for the new playoff. You know, Clemson looks very fallible this year. Uh, hey, Commissioner Phillips, you sure you want to uh, You sure you sure want to disagree with the process and not make sure that there's a little few more outcomes for your team? And we can just... Go through the whole the whole line. Obviously, Dan's point of Big Twelve is is a great one. Yeah, here here we are simmering over the cream corn again. Hopefully the uh, hopefully the we can be outcome focused and not obstruction focused. The Big Ten they've got all these teams this year that look pretty good. You want to boil them all down to one and hope it works out, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Wisconsin, I mean, Iowa. There's a lot of teams with a shot here. Why have one? We went back when they originally did this. Wisconsin would have hosted three different playoff games. Yeah. Which would have been awesome. No, we don't want that. Yeah, no. Definitely don't want that. No way. We don't want that. Let's stay at We didn't like the process, Dan. We didn't like the process. I I understand if this is all a bargaining chip. And I know there's a lot of ADs and people listen to this. Fox needs to be in on it because you want Fox to profit off the playoff and then have the funds from those profits because those are the big games to later pay filter that money back into television deals to the the Pac-12, the Big 10 and to a degree the the Big 12. I get that. This better all be a bluff because <laughs> otherwise this is one of the dumbest things going and there's nothing dumber than when the establishment of college football gets behind some idiotic idea like Hey, if we have name, image, and likeness, fans won't watch anymore. <laughs> really? Right. How the TV ratings? How many seven, eight million person right. games? We've already had five games over seven million viewers yeah. this season. Yeah, I keep getting emails about how big the ratings have been on ESPN and Fox. Boy, and- uh, they, they really couldn't fill Penn State the other night or the Swamp. or I mean, <laughs> nobody ever cared about that, but you guys repeated it and scaremongered and 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 obstructionist and everything but man you had a lot of well this will this will ruin our 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 100 year cultural tie with the fans the fans will have you even heard of one fan like there were there were fans of like the NFL like I'm not going to watch cuz of Colin Kaepernick now they came back right. like after 3 weeks but you sure. know, there were some people right then it was like oh crap man Mahomes is playing maybe I'll just take a peek <laughs> But fine, there were you you knew some people like that. If you heard of one fan, that's it. I'm just not watching. <laughs> I am so that Clemson quarterbacks in the Dr. Pepper commercial, I won't have it. <laughs> that's it. I'm turning off the TV as soon as I see it. <laughs> How could I enjoy Clemson, Georgia when the quarterback's in a commercial? That's offensive. <laughs> These two twin basketball players and Fresno State basketball are making money. I will not watch Alabama, Florida. 
You people argued this in front of the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court. You tried to pull that. You, you're always wrong. You are wrong on this. Take the 12. It's laying there for you. I told the Big 12 and the Big East to do this 15 years ago. The Big East is dead. The Big 12 is almost dead. Don't be stupid. Make a deal. Get Fox in there. Fine. Cut, get this thing done. Get your home fields. Get your game up in Madison. Get your game in Iowa City. If they can't, if your stadium isn't winterized, that's their big thing on the home field. Few stadiums are not winterized. A few. Michigan's is. Ohio State's is. Minnesota's is. You know, some are. Some aren't. Fine. If your stadium isn't winterized, you get to play in Detroit or Indianapolis or something in your area. Otherwise, take the deal. If you do not make this deal, you are dumber than the predecessors that put you in all this trouble beforehand. Yeah. Remember oh. Jim Delaney, the great Jim Delaney. We might go division three <laughs> rather than have our players get paid. We're, we might we might just walk away and go division three. They don't want Mountain Union, Dan. I don't want it. <laughs> this is what these people do. Don't do it again. Yeah. No, look. Don't be Jim Delaney other than taking $20 million off the top of a TV contract. Do that. I mean, you might as well. They don't transition well. They don't embrace change real well in the college uh, leadership landscape. But when when the change comes wrapped in golden foil that says inside are untold millions of dollars, in addition to just a better playoff, a more fun, interesting, inclusive playoff, take the prize, unwrap it, and embrace it. Do it. It's not that hard. The, the politics here are interesting to me because I think, Dan, to round out your earlier point on Fox, it's not just sharing in the profits. It's bringing in Fox to incentivize them to put a huge stake in the regular season. That's the, that's the key part with Fox here that I think needs to be discussed is the reason you don't want only ESPN to show the postseason is because you can't say, hey, Fox, why don't you spend billions on the pretty good stuff, but we're going to cut you out of the elite stuff. And the Big Ten and the Pac-12 need Fox at the bargaining table coming up very soon. And you know who really needs Fox at the bargaining table? <laughs> the Big 12. Absolutely. Because they they sent a Malkoff cocktail into Bristol. Now, Bob Bowlesby probably won't be around to, uh, to negotiate that TV deal, but it certainly wasn't exactly holding hands and singing Kumbaya uh, with them. So you need you need two big financial drivers. ESPN is there. They're established. They've spent their hundreds of millions on the SEC, and they have the ACC pinned down with their foot on their throat. You need Fox invested, and and that's like the, that's the dessert. That's the incentive is to give them a funnel to the uh, to the playoff. And so it makes sense why you need them at the table. And I don't begrudge anybody for holding out for that aspect of it. Just Gifting it to ESPN, I can certainly understand the resistance there. That should be the only resistance, though. Yeah, and you know what else it does is promotion. Yeah, okay, right. it's hard to promote the sport, especially in this fractured television audience. You know what still gets huge ratings? The NFL. You don't think it's good for college football that the number one television show in America, Sunday Night Football, the Chiefs and the Ravens playing the other night, and NBC is promoting Wisconsin and uh, Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Yeah, sure. 
and Fox is promoting next week's. I don't know what game they got uh, there. I think it's or maybe that's noon. I don't, what or I don't know. Whatever I think that's promoting. Fox. I think because that's a Wisconsin home game at. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, the, yeah. The week yeah. before they're promoting Notre Dame against right. Purdue. Like yeah. you want them all yes. on there. Yes. You want that promotion. It all goes hand in hand. NFL fans are college fans. College fans are NFL fans. It's it's it goes together. It's just take the deal. It's laid out there. If you're going to go, we weren't on the committee or I'm mad at Texas. I'm just going to be Gordon Gee and I'm going to say crazy stuff and be and not understand the system and think it's better for West Virginia to never have a road to the playoff. Get out of the way. It's over. The train's leaving. Take the deal. Do you think there's as big a compendium of dumb Gordon Gee quotes about academia, or does he just save them all for athletics? Because it's a hell of a move he's, he's put that. together. Yeah, I hope Hopefully. he's smarter on that one. Yeah. All right. Well, we will see what happens, but that is the... More importantly than the 12-team playoff, can we get a cream corn recipe from these guys this week? I would really like to like to see you know what's, what? what's in that thing. I'll contact the grapevine, Mary. I've been there. I've eaten the cream corn. It's very good cream corn. I'll get a hold of it. Okay, good. <laughs> I got to tell you, you, I'm... Not like really a Wetzel corn did fan. the deep dive on the 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 Ames uh, song. I'll do the deep dive on the cream corn. All right, get us a recipe, Pat. We'll do. We'll it. Be, could be like HGTV next week. <laughs> since since we brought up Ames, I, I I meant to say this on the Sunday pod. So I'm standing on the sideline at Cincinnati, and my position was essentially in front of the water coolers because I was trying to stay out of the way, not get killed, and not be in the way. And there were a lot of complaints on the Cincinnati sideline about the taste of the Indiana water. <laughs> like it was multiple people. So uh, there's a the linebacker in Cincinnati who's from Indiana. At one point, somebody took a sip of the water and he said, hey, Huber, the water in your state sucks. <laughs> if the Bearcats much, had lost. Too much we were, limestone. We were, too much limestone. Yes, we were, we were staring at a tap water controversy. And all I could think about was, uh, yes, <laughs> I spent way too much time talking about Delicious tasting and non-delicious tasting tap water. So luckily, the water controversy was thwarted. I did have some of the water. It was pretty hot that day. It did not taste particularly good. All right. Well, used to that Cincinnati water. <laughs> yeah. Right out of the Ohio River. We know that's clean. <laughs> yeah. The pristine Ohio. All right. I've uh, We're dubbing this Prove It Week. Okay. We have a few programs have kind of either pro- popped up to, to make themselves look like they might be contenders. Or or not, uh, or, or maybe are underwhelming, but we want to see what they are. It is your chance to prove it. So we're going to start with a couple of these games. Let's start with Rutgers at Michigan. And to me, it's really prove it is for is for Michigan. Certainly, Rutgers is also undefeated, although they had a uh, they they may be out two players after uh, what is called an incident with a paintball gun led to some arrests. In uh, Piscataway, I don't know what exactly the paint. What were they shooting? More details have to come. But uh, there was a paintball incident. Nothing like losing uh, losing to Michigan because a couple of defensive players are out due to a paintball gun. <laughs> it's very sure, Shadow took that one well. Yeah, I bet he did. <laughs> <laughs> whose whose decision was it to suspend him? And who, if it was not Coach Shiano's, how did that conversation go? Greg, it was or, an actual you... arrest, and I'm okay. thinking yeah. they probably well, have a yeah, system. That's... Now, how do you get arrested with a paintball gun? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. it I just depends what you were shooting. Behavior. Like, he must have been thrilled to get that call at 2 in the morning. I'm sure that, yeah. He's yeah. like, oh, my goodness. Being the yeah. teddy bear that Coach Shiano is. <laughs> he wanted to go back to college. This is what you get. <laughs> All right. All right. So, Rutgers is at Michigan. Michigan is 3-0. and 
They have looked very, very good uh, in defeating Western Michigan, Washington, and Northern Illinois for whatever that is worth. It is time to prove it. I think their big prove it game is in a week against Wisconsin, but Rutgers is somewhat formidable. What do you want to see from Michigan that would prove it to you? Throw the ball. Be able to be more than just a one-dimensional team. I mean, their running game is incredible so far, but this is a step up in class. You know, they, they have absolutely pushed around and had their way with Western Michigan, Washington, and Northern Illinois, and quite frankly, Washington shouldn't be a step up in class, but it is. Uh, so now a Rutgers team that, has is also three and zero, and remember these teams played triple overtime last year, which was why one reason I'm I'm really surprised looking that the line is like eighteen and a half, and we'll get into this for the race for the case podcast later this week, but that jumps out to me. Uh, but I want to see Michigan be able to throw when you have to throw. I mean, so far the passing game's been fine. Uh, it just it, it's been efficient. It hasn't necessarily been explosive. Ronnie Bell is injured now for the year. So do they've got do they have some big play receivers who can make some plays? The Michigan pass game, uh, Cade McNamara, the starting quarterback, has attempted 37 passes, which I'm sure somewhere in this great wide country of ours has been like a, the ha- a half for somewhere someone at Houston or Ole Miss. one of yeah, someone, <laughs> something like that. I mean, 37 passes in three games. It's not a lot of passes. Uh that's just the starter, obviously. Uh, they have 49 pass attempts total. Uh, and and this is a team coached by a 15-year NFL quarterback who never didn't want to throw it. Like Jim Harbaugh, <laughs> ultimate right. gunner, like oh, the yeah. gamer. I got it. I got it. And, and this is who they coach. <laughs> and they got it. They got an they got an offense out of the 1930s. Go ahead, Pete. Yes. Yeah, so. The uh, Rutgers football players who are suspended, uh, Max Melton and Chris Long. Uh, Max Melton has two interceptions and a block punt. They're both defensive backs, right? So two interceptions and a block punt for Melton. Long is is a reserve who's just on uh, who's just on special teams. But but let's be honest, they don't have like spare starting defensive backs sitting around at Rutgers, right? So if there is a game to ease in the uh, Michigan pass game, it would seemingly uh, it would seemingly be this one. But yes, the uh, uh, and look, he was my small sample Heisman uh, guy two weeks ago. Blake Corum is electric. The the Michigan tailback. He's averaging eight point five yards a carry. He's got seven touchdowns, and I mean, he was mesmerizing to watch against Washington. Uh, just uh, like a complete jitterbug, unbelievable burst. Rutgers' defense has, has been great so far. It's it's been as uh, it's 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 been as as salty as any uh, against obviously the limited competition that the uh, that the Scarlet Knights have faced. So you would have to think Coach Gianna is going to try to just really force them into the uh, into the pass game. If there's one Big Ten matchup that's epitomized Michigan's backslide to Big Ten mediocrity, it would be the Rutgers game. They won 52 to nothing in 2019, Chris Ash's last year, and it took multiple overtimes to win 48-42, and Rutgers had a field goal to uh, to, to win it that uh, that was missed. So. If you're looking at where did Michigan's dominance go, I, I mean, I would think a lot of people would point to a team they once they they beat Rutgers 52 nothing, 42 seven in back to back years, and that all of a sudden became an overtime tussle last year. So, if Michigan wants to prove it has some Big Ten superiority, this is this is an interesting forum for them to uh, do it. I'd like to see them cover. I'd like to see a solid victory over Rutgers, uh, and I'm going to continue to feel pretty good about Michigan. What's the line, Dan? 
12, Huge. Was it 12? 18 and a half. Oh, 18 and a half. Yeah. I'd like to see a two touchdown victory. How about that? There you go. Okay. Two touchdowns, a solid victory. They're in control in the fourth quarter. Uh, that tells me this team is what it looks like going in. You know what they say. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Arkansas fighting Sam Pittman. Yes, sir. They blew out Rice. They beat Texas by 19 at home. They blew out Georgia Southern. They're scoring 38-40-45. Their defense is 17-21-10. If this team was named anything other than Arkansas, uh, any other SEC power, you'd be like, yeah, top five, top 10 team. They've, they've climbed to 16th. They uh, get Texas A&M in their game in uh, Arlington, Texas. They should feel right at home. There's a Walmart right across the street. <laughs> <laughs> Feels very, you know, very homey for the from the gentleman from uh, from Fayetteville. The Fighting Sam Pittmans are they legit? Well, there's a chance to prove it. Now their next four games are Texas at Georgia at Ole Miss and Auburn. So there's a lot of proving going on here. But are they just a product of Texas being Texas, or uh, is, is this a legit team? What would you like to see from Arkansas? I would like to see Arkansas move the ball against a very good Texas A&M defense. Uh, we we came into the season thinking A&M would have one of the saltiest defenses in the country, and so far they have proven that uh, in, in, in my mind. Texas A&M has the ninth-ranked total defense in the country, the number one-ranked scoring defense in the country at 5.7 points per game. Arkansas has moved the ball at will against its pedestrian opponents. They have, they're averaging 282 yards per game. It will be interesting to see if the same trenches that they dominated against Texas, they should at least be able to get a push up front against a and I, I have a hard time imagining they're going to get wiped out up front. So that's what I want to see from Arkansas in, uh, in Jerry world. You know, Jerry Jones is going to be watching his hogs with interest. I want to see, if they can if they can man up and bow up against Texas A&M interior and remember A&M's offensive line kind of stinks they got four new starters they haven't gelled together yet they have a backup quarterback there's a lot working for Arkansas to pull the upset in this game yeah i really actually love Arkansas in this spot i, I what i want to see though i KJ Jefferson has been good better than really i anticipated better than he started he wasn't good early in the first game against Rice but since then He's been solid. Uh, they hadn't had hadn't had to throw it a lot, but he did. He threw it a ton, very effectively, <clears throat> against Georgia Southern. But it's going to be a, a different deal against A and M and that excellent defense, as Pete pointed out. But you know, can he be a real high level quarterback? Arkansas, you know, if you want to get really wonky about it, they've got some nice metrics. They are very good in terms of explosive plays they have been very explosive this year and also good at limiting the other team's explosive plays so they've got a big differential in that people look at that they're plus 11 in 20 yard runs and 30 yard passes versus their opponents through three games they're also plus three turnover margin they've done all the things you're supposed to do to win games and they've won they're three and oh so i i like them in this spot but then can yes can kj jefferson have the poise uh and then be able to make some big throws against a very good defense Huge game for Arkansas. I don't know what would prove it. They could lose, and I still think they're making progress. It's just the the nature of their schedule is so tough. But, boy, if they could win this. we I, I keep saying it, but Arkansas needs to be able to recruit Texas, and nothing is better at recruiting Texas than beating Texas. Well, that's off. And beating Texas A&M in Texas. So this is a, this is a heck of an opportunity for Coach Pittman and, and the Hogs. And uh, because they're, they're, 
their life's not getting easier if this thing goes to a quad. If we go to pods <laughs> right. and they're there, it's Arkansas, Texas, Texas A&M and Oklahoma. I mean, that is a <laughs> yeah, right. Jeez, really, really tough thing. And so they have to be good in recruiting Texas. Uh, they're just not going to be able to survive any other way. So this would be this would be a big, big step for them. I would uh, I'd like to see them win. It would certainly prove it. I, I think that program's making enormous strides in two years, uh, regardless. If they do win and they have beaten Texas and Texas A&M in the first month of the season, how long does it take the request for a contract extension to land on Hunter Juracek's desk from Sam Pittman and his rather uh, persistent agent? I would just send it right to Frank Purdue or Sam Walton. I would yeah. skip Juracek. <laughs> Faster than the Walmart self-checkout line. We thought that was yeah. going to be kind of slow. <laughs> Can you picture Sam Sam in with his contract just goes doot and puts it in the basket and leaves. He's got like a like a like a like a six pack of uh Bud Heavy and some onion some uh pork rinds. He was Here's making fun of he was making fun of Bush Light on uh, one of these. I, I, you know, my, I, I'm starting to have a little bone to pick with Sam Pittman. <laughs> I've been defending you all along, but he kind of <laughs> joked about Bush Light in a little kind of condescending manner the other day on an all-access uh, Arkansas piece. Let's Sam probably didn't uh, get to be—he didn't get to be that size drinking light beer. Come on. I, I mean, <laughs> when Sam when Sam Pittman's looking down on your beverage choices, I just really not feeling good about myself. Come on, man. <laughs> Uh, Come on. Time to look in the mirror, Dan. He cashes that check with the barcode. You now have $40 million in credit. <laughs> at Walmart, Michigan State, Michigan State, 3-0. and They win on the road by 17 at Northwestern. They blow out Youngstown State. They go to Miami and win going away against the Hurricanes. That's two road wins out of three. Uh, they crack into the polls, and we will see where they're at. They get Nebraska at home. They should beat Nebraska if they're legit. They also need to overcome a classic Michigan State uh, problem, a persistent problem until D'Antonio really got them straightened out, which was every time things started going good, they'd blow an easy game. They were they were legendary for beating Michigan and then losing by three touchdowns to Indiana the next week. <laughs> so hopefully the hangover is not too too big up there in Beast Lansing. What would you like to see to prove Michigan State, which is way ahead of schedule on its rebuild under Mel Tucker, uh, legit? What do you want to see to prove it, Pat? Well, yeah, I think you just said it. Program maturity, i.e. consistency, don't, you know, get full of yourselves and all of a sudden not be ready for the next game. Look, Nebraska is not good, but I do believe they are getting better. They, they were so bad in that first game against Illinois, uh, and they were pretty respectable against Oklahoma. They were good, I thought, against Buffalo the week before. So I think that they, they'd better be ready for a game. If they're running around acting like they've actually done something by starting 3-0, and they just need to put the tape back on from last year and say, oh, yeah, it's not that long ago we were terrible. Uh, so I just want to see them, yeah, show up, be ready. You know, if, you, if, they, if they can jump on them the way they jumped on Northwestern at the beginning of that game, uh, that's a heck of a good sign. You got to be able to contain Martinez, Adrian Martinez, who maybe played his best game uh, last week against uh, Oklahoma. And Peyton Thorne's done a great job making no mistakes. He has to continue that this week. 
This smells like a like an upset opportunity. N- Nebraska's full on desperation. Frost full on desperation. I could see him running Martinez like you know twenty five times in this game. Like they need to, they need to win this game. If they don't win this game, it's you know it it is spiraling over. As great as Michigan State's been, and we've been very complimentary of Mel Tucker here, his ability to really efficiently and effectively use the portal to rebuild a program that had atrophied because of terrible recruiting. So they get all the credit in the world. I just think that when we look back at Michigan State in two months, contextualize the wins at Northwestern in Miami. While impressive because they're road wins, road wins are hard, especially in 2020 when you plan the road for a while. I don't think those are going to be remembered as good wins because I just don't think either of those teams is that good that they beat. I just sense there could be a little bit of vulnerability here for uh, for Michigan State. I would really like to see how their pass game continues to evolve. Obviously, Peyton Thorne's got nine touchdowns. He's got no interceptions. He's completing 62% of his passes. They've been they've been unbelievable. Kenneth Walker from uh, Wake Forest is, uh, is, is rolled in. He's ripping off 8.6 yards a clip. I'm just... I am not ready. I, I'm more confident in Michigan right now and where they are than I am in Michigan State. Well, I think uh, I, I think everyone should be, uh, although Michigan State, you know, kind of has an identity. But these are different levels of like no one's saying Arkansas is going to try to win the national title. Michigan could be a playoff team. Like if Michigan, if Michigan's trying to prove that they could be a playoff team, no one's expecting Michigan State. They had a four and a half win over under coming into the season. This team wins eight games, like unbelievable yeah. season, right? If they can sure. go, if they can, they got Nebraska, West Kentucky, Rutgers, Indiana. If they could go into the Michigan game at home, seven and oh, huge momentum, publicity, everything. So proving it is, is, is different for uh, each thing, but are they going to win the uh, big 10 East? Doubt it. They got Michigan They're They're at Ohio state. They still got Penn state at the end of the year. All right. Notre Dame. Notre Dame is three and zero. They have uh, gone to overtime against uh, what has turned out to be a bad Florida State team. Nearly lost to Toledo at home, and they were in a very competitive game against Purdue uh, before winning by fourteen after banning the giant drum. <laughs> there was talk, so there was a couple questions about the drum because the drum has been inside Notre Dame Stadium before. The drum is a hundred years old. The big Purdue drum, which is not the biggest in the world, no matter what they say. Liars. <laughs> they are lying. These Midwestern little towns like Ames and Westlop, they lie. <laughs> they figure no one will show up to test it. There's a bigger drum in Korea. Uh, anyway. <laughs> they lie. There's, there's two ways into Notre Dame Stadium, but only one could fit the drum. And it's in the end zone where... It's so small. Remember, there was the famous brawl between Miami. Was it Miami or Florida State? And no, it was Miami. I was there, man. Yeah. Uh, you can basically get two linemen next to each other can get through at one time or else it's just a big, you know, log jam. So Notre Dame limited access to that due to COVID protocols. And because of that, the Purdue band was not allowed to drag their drum through because they are not allowed to go in. That's why COVID kept the drum out. The COVID protocols do not allow anyone other than players and like refs to get through their coaches. So it's a very limited. Uh, I don't know how the drum affected that. It probably could have been a way around it. But Notre Dame banned the drum. That was the best defense they played this season. (laughs) (laughs) They play Wisconsin. Soldier Field. Noon game on Fox. Big game. What do you want to see out of Notre Dame to prove that a legit team and someone was still 
a, a, a path to the playoff, Pete. Boy, I need to see a lot from Notre Dame because there hasn't been uh, there there hasn't been much right now. They have the 79th ranked defense in the country. Their rush defense has been 56th. These are Notre Dame is starting Wisconsin's castaway quarterback and Wisconsin the 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 young savior quarterback has really been worse than the one they cast away. So these are two offensively limited teams. Wisconsin brings an elite defense with them. Notre Dame brings a defense that is still searching for its identity under new coordinator Marcus Freeman, to put it politely. You got Wisconsin right now, number two in total defense, number one in rush defense. It will be fascinating to see how Jack Cohn reacts against the defense he played in practice every day, how Jim Leonard pins his ears back and goes at Jack Cohn, obviously limited. I believe Kevin Austin, Notre Dame star receiver, was targeted eight times in the Purdue game, and he had zero catches. So that's hard to do, to target a guy eight times and have him not catch any, especially when he's arguably your best receiver. So and Mayer only, their tight end, who's you know, best tight end in college football, had one catch against Purdue. So seemingly, you know, Purdue defense went to take away Notre Dame's best – Wisconsin has much better personnel than Purdue. So I need to see a lot from uh, f- from Notre Dame. I know they're they're underdogs. This game is going to be a slog. It's going to be – this is going to be right out of the Wisconsin, you know, just ground and pound collection. This is not going to be <laughs> artistry. It is going to be uh, a brat kicked on the sidewalk of a game. <laughs> the ground and pound collection. I'd love to see us a video montage of Wisconsin <laughs> winning or losing games 13 to 10. Uh, of which, yes, this one is very much capable of fitting into that wheelhouse. Yeah, I've got to see Jack Cohn step up. Uh, Really interesting, tricky spot for him playing against your old team and against, yes, Jim Leonard, who's going to have a book on him. And maybe he'll have a book on what Jim Leonard likes to do for Brian Kelly. So that goes both ways. But Notre Dame's passing yardage has dropped every game. Notre Dame's yards per play has dropped every game. Notre Dame's scoring has dropped every game. As the defenses have gotten better, they've played against, and this is now by far the best defense. So good luck. I don't think you're going to be able to run the ball with much consistency because nobody has against Wisconsin. So get ready, Jack Cohn. You're going to have to complete passes to Kevin Austin and to Michael Mayer and to a lot of other people uh, if you're going to get down the field and to score. Uh, should be a really interesting like fan dynamic there in Soldier Field. It should be a lot of fun. I'm going to be at the game looking forward to the atmosphere for sure. But I do think this will be yet another grim defensive slog. Do they go you for Paul Christ and Brian Kelly will be the only sober people in a three-square-mile radius at that game. <laughs> yeah. There'll be some drinking there. Yeah. This is an LSU-level drinking, but there will be a lot of beer. Uh, Chicago's a hell of a drinking town. Yeah. Hell See, of this, a drinking town. This has... Red River, cocktail party, you know, neutral site. Everybody's plastered the night before vibe on it for sure. Brawls at the Streeterville Tavern <laughs> late night. Uh, over under uh, punts. What do you think should be like 15 oh. combined punts? I don't know. Could be some. Yeah. Punting. Yeah, uh, there, I got to see. I, 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 Notre Dame's got to win, obviously, or else, you know, whatever. But I got to see something out of this line. 115th ranked in rush offense. For their offensive line, hundred they're tied for 125th in sacks allowed. The Oof. Notre Dame offensive line, like they're not supposed to have burners on the outside. They're not supposed to have game-breaking, you know, cornerbacks. They're not, they always are supposed to have an offensive line. And so that to me, they're not going, Notre Dame is going nowhere ever 
if their offensive line isn't good. They don't have the the the, the personnel otherwise to do this. So, all right, let's play another game. We got a lot of games. Sully set up a lot of games for us to play. Panic or patience? Oh, Sully, we just play like alliteration, baby. We just play like. We're all just going to panic, by the way. I'm just panicked. I'm always panicked. <laughs> it's Florida week. I'm panicked. That's it. Sully, Sully's got a lot of angst going on. All right. Panic or patience? We're going to go, should you panic over this performance or not? DJ Uyunglele, Clemson quarterback and Dr. Pepper spokesman. He's 51. He's got a, he's got a chicken deal, too. He's got a chicken he deals. No, Bojangles. He's Bojangles. That's Bojangles. right. Very Carolina's Bojangles, yes. Well, if he doesn't prove his accuracy, someone's going to ask for their money back. <laughs> 51 to 86, 475 yards, one TD, and one interception. Not exactly Trevor or Deshaun reincarnated so far. Uh, panic or patience? Uh, I'd say panic is justified at this point because it's it, it's been bad. Are Not you kidding surprised. me? I mean, it's been really bad. You know, the game, the middle game against South Carolina State doesn't count. Total toss out. You take care of that. You get rid of that. They've scored 17 points this year. Now, Georgia defense, excellent. We know that. Georgia Tech, you score 14. You barely hang on to win. You're five yards an attempt. You throw for 126 yards. Come on. Uh, that That does not compute. And whether... I, I wonder this, guys. I think this is a legitimate question to ask for some of these guys who are 18, 19, maybe 20, who all of a sudden you are a pitch man. I'm not saying it's too much to, for your focus. I'm saying it puts more pressure on you. You are, a, you are all a young person who has suddenly become a professional since July, okay? And there is more pressure on you because you are now on a Dr. Pepper commercial. Maybe he's not handling it well for that reason. I don't know. He hasn't connected well with his receivers. Justin Ross got some criticism for the, in the Georgia game for the pick six. That was Dabo Sweeney put that on him. Dabo is trying to protect DJ in terms of from criticism, but but so far it's it's just not working out at a place that's used to having Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. So the expectation level is that high, and he's nowhere near looking like the guy who nearly beat Notre Dame in overtime last year. He looks like a guy who is in over his head and trying to figure things out. My panic would be around the offensive line of Clemson because they, that unit has underachieved and dragged that program down, quite frankly, the past two seasons. And I really think that's the root of all their problems. Look, they were just not going to magically replace Travis Etienne. He was... The best running back in ACC history the last the last 25 years. The most productive. They don't have a great answer there. They have a decent answer there, it appears, in uh, Will Shipley. If that offensive line does not gel, come together, and establish some semblance of dominance, Clemson is going to get tripped up in one of its many mediocre games left on the schedule, whether that's at NC State, whether that's at... I mean, Syracuse is fourth-ranked defense in the country. That that program's tortured Clemson over the years. Uh, that's a road game. At Louisville's a road game. Look, I'm sure SEC fans are just snickering at that notion. But Clemson has been pedestrian. There's no other way to say it. The backs are pedestrian. The O-line is pedestrian. And DJ has been not good. And I, I do think his lack of production in game five of his career as a starter essentially is is a symptom of a lot of what's going on around him. He's also not been accurate. There are flaws. Look, he's not Trevor Lawrence. We all knew that was going to happen. So I maybe have a little more patience with him, but I've run out of patience for that Clemson O-line. That 
that is uh, that is a, a weak unit. You, you wonder if Dabo has to make a, a coaching change there. You wonder if they have to go to the portal to uh, to, to bring in higher-end talent. It just hasn't been working out. You don't fix that during the season. That's the problem. Correct. You cannot microwave an offensive line. That is, yes. So that is that is where my panic is rooted. Are you worried that Sheriff Bosworth is going to arrest DJ for poor play in Fansville? <laughs> it's entirely possible. DJ better watch out. Be careful wherever he goes. If he sees Sheriff Bosworth, go the other way. Well, they're always hiding from him because he's he knows yeah. that they're up to something in Fansville. <laughs> they usually are. Oklahoma offense scored 23 against Nebraska. Lowest total since a loss in 2016 to Houston. Uh, I don't think the Spencer Rattler Heisman campaign is going all that great. Panic or patience, Pete? It's funny. Talked to some NFL people this week working on my Cincinnati story to kind of get a feel for where Desmond Ritter is. And NFL people do not like Spencer Rattler. He is he has very much uh, he is very much cooled in the uh, in in the eyes of the NFL. I, I think the notion of him as a top five type pick is quickly uh, is quickly slipping away. So. I would be panicked if I was Spencer Spencer Rattler, and here's why. Caleb Williams, freshman quarterback from Gonzaga High School in D.C., I think has a much higher ceiling than Rattler long-term. He's 6'1", 218 pounds, was one of, if not the top quarterbacks in the country on the camp circuit. People raved about Williams in a very, very rare way. Quarterback guys I trust compared him to like a Russell Wilson. So it would be interesting to see if, Rattler continues to be good, but not great if a window opens for Williams to start getting some more snaps. I, I mean, the thing about that Oklahoma QB room now is it's loaded and it doesn't wait for anybody. So, again, I'm not suggesting that's going to happen imminently, but I am saying that Caleb Williams is sitting there. It will be interesting to see as they get into the Big 12 if Rattler is still up and down. The reason to have less patience with Rattler than some of these other young quarterbacks is because he's already been a starter for a full year. So there's much greater likelihood that what we're seeing from him is what he is, period. It's not like, you know, he's just feeling his way into his first month as a starting quarterback. This is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking here like game, I don't know, 16 or something as a starter. Uh, and he's he's just, he's okay, I mean, he's not bad, but I don't look at him and see it. He sure, certainly is not along the lines of what Oklahoma has had at quarterback recently with Jalen Hurts and with Kyler Murray and with Baker Mayfield. Uh, and I don't know whether that the, the, the fundamentals are in place everywhere else at Oklahoma if you don't have great quarterback play to be like a, a playoff team. The other thing, here we go. You want to talk about more, you know, uh, pressure that you've put on yourself. And I don't blame these guys for taking the deals by any means. Get the deals, have the deals. But he signed a deal for not one, but two cars not long ago. And there's going to be people sitting in the stands in, in, in Norman watching saying, this guy's got a, a charger and a truck and he can't hit the wide out on a, on a go route. What, what's going on here? Uh, so, you know, there's just going to be a lot of added pressure on him if this continues to go this route. And Pete's right, though, that, like, they've got other players at that position, and if you're 15 or so games into your starting career and you're still okay, you wonder whether uh, Lincoln Riley may be getting a little bit itchy to see what else he can do there. Yeah, you, you wonder how bad it gets for certain players. I'm not saying this is going to happen with Spencer, where, like, the billboard for the car comes down. <laughs> like, these guys... <laughs> Like normally a car dealer isn't making a deal until it's like, okay, we, you know, we want, 
we want, uh, I don't know what, Baker Mayfield to sponsor, you know, right. Cleveland area Ford dealers. We feel pretty, you know, Josh Allen will be, no, you, you know, these are college guys. So no, this is the best thing about these deals is this is like what was going on with recruits when, when they were buying them against the NCAA rules. It's like, yeah, you're, you're paying them under the table and then you're hoping they're good. But how many of them that's caused scandals weren't that good. And people paid out the, you know, out the ying for Hartley Dykes. I could have had a, I could have had a lake house instead. I bought a <laughs> linebacker. <and sucked. laughs> well, remember like Rhett Bomar, right? Remember Rhett yeah, Bomar, Pat, sure. early, early in our time covering national colleges, number one yeah. recruit in the country, got him out of Texas. Dad was a co like, he was supposed to be everything, and he ended up, I think, transferring to Sam Houston. He might have still made the NFL, but, like, it's it's not linear. These guys no. bust at about a 50% clip. It's hard. All right, I got an update on the Rutgers situation. Uh -oh. You want to know, oh, okay. yep. know why they were suspended? Uh, I cannot argue with this. On Monday, September 20th, the Rutgers Police Department responded to the area of Livingston campus for a report of three student victims that were struck with paintballs oh. discharged from a motor vehicle. No oh, gosh. There were minor injuries. One victim was hit in the elbow at close range. Another hit in the left arm and lower back. And a third was hit in the lower abdomen. Look out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just not, that's not cool. Lower <laughs> abdomen. How you don't low? want to take a paintball there. <laughs> All uh, there was some bleeding. They had bruising and welts. So these two decided to do, to play drive-by shooting or something. What? You just gunning down local with the paintball. First off, not cool to be shooting anything near a school these days. Re return fire. I mean, if, and like if you're, those, if out you're those students or whoever's being shot, you think you're being shot. Hell yeah, you know. And, or some guy neck nearby. Yeah. If I'm seeing like a gun, I mean. Oh, panic. Yeah, you're out. That's that's yeah. not not cool at all. So it's funny because it's paintball, but not really. Not for the poor guy's lower abdomen. Ohio State defense ranked 118th in total defense. Gave up a 503 to Tulsa, 612 to Oregon. Pat, panic. Let's not even forget patience. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> Level right. of panic. Yeah, yeah I mean, I like, nobody, yeah. even like a crazy Buck fan, Buckeye fan is panicked. Everyone's panicked. Not yes. good. Oh, yeah. No, I'm panicking on all these things, but I'm definitely panicking on their defense. <laughs> My gosh. I mean, I like I I was surprised watching Minnesota when Minnesota gets 31 points after Ibrahim gets hurt. I was really surprised watching Oregon just push down the field consistently over and over and over and score 35. But Tulsa, when I was 21 to 20 in that game, and Tulsa, which only managed 17 points against UC Davis, is right there in the game. I was like, this, there is something wrong at Ohio State. They've got an issue. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on. You know, maybe it is just too many young people and being poorly coached or poorly aligned in places, but... They've got some issues to fix because the competition after Akron this week, which doesn't count, but the competition will not be easy the rest of the way. And the way they are playing, they're going to lose two or three more games. Now, they could improve, but I've got to see it right now. Ham I'm hammering the panic button. Yeah, it, 
I, it's obviously a confluence of reasons to panic, right? The, the, <laughs> they've obviously changed defensive play callers, uh, going from Kerry Combs to Matt Barnes, who, who called the Tulsa game. That didn't seem to make a distinct difference at this juncture. Also, I'm, I'm starting to question just the level of their personnel. They have a lot of really good young defensive players. You have JTT, the, the freshman lineman from Seattle. You have Jack Sawyer, who, who was the other top defensive end recruit in the country. You've got some inside guys like uh, Tyreek Williams, who played a little bit more, who's also a true freshman. So maybe maybe you're seeing a little bit of a shift to young talent over veteran guys. But in terms of defensive tackle and in terms of linebacker, and then Seven Banks is sort of mysteriously not played this season, who is going to be their top corner, who is expected to be you know first, second-round pick. Josh Proctor, the safety. Sir, like, I think they may have a scheme issue combined with a personnel issue. Certainly, you you have to think that, we talked about this in the last pod, that maybe Penn State is is the favorite in that East right now. I I still want to see a little more from Michigan and Michigan State before I put them there, but Ohio State is as vulnerable as they've been in the Big Ten in five or six years. I'm unfair. We had no patience for anybody. (laughs) Widespread (laughs) panic, isn't that a bank? That's pretty much it. It's pretty much it's a band and then a subtitle for the podcast. Yes. All right. Well, speaking of widespread panic, this story uh, crossed my my thing. I guess we can. I don't know. It's, it's kind of legal, but I'm not sure where people courting it. Uh, a Virginia woman is facing. She's uh, just sentenced to 12 years in prison for a coupon scam. The coupons. She uh, has a, uh, used her graphic arts uh, skills to create fake coupons that she then sold to people online, which apparently is a thing. And stole $32 million. Come on. Well, the, the there were $32 million in coupon defraud. I don't know how much she made off of it. I didn't how, look that deeply into it. How many coupons is that? Because like the coupons I'm used to seeing are like 59 cents off of potatoes or something. I mean, this like how many I, do yeah. you have to have to have $13 million <laughs> worth of fraud? $32 million. <laughs> and like, what are you paying? Coupons. I mean, come on. Are there people out there so desperate to save 50 cents on, you know, deodorant that they pay 25 cents online to get the 50 cent? I don't know. Then you only save 25 cents. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't either. Even more bizarre. Kimberly Clark is a company that yeah. had, she defrauded $9 million. <laughs> $9 million in fake coupons. You know what Kimberly Clark makes? They're like, Toiletries or something? Yes. Yes. How much? $9 million in toilet paper? $9 million in Depends adult diapers? That's like what? a century of Auburn home wins. You could TP uh, Wow, Seymour maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe Auburn bought them all. I mean, who needs that much adult care, quote unquote? I, I don't know. That's This is a We all will eventually, Dan. $9 million? Hell. Uh, I, I'm, I'm disturbed that there was nine million dollars worth of fake coupons for uh, for that. <laughs> Unilever, two point five million was stolen from them. Uh, they make food, including Hellman's, Briars ice cream. That's good. Pure Leaf okay. tea, huh. uh, cup of soup. Who doesn't like a cup of soup? <laughs> a lot of sodium in those things. A Klondike bar. <laughs> Two million dollars in Klondike bars. You get that much tea, you need the adult diaper. That stuff runs through you. 
I do like the the health warning you put out there for people. A lot of sodium in those. A lot of sodium in that cup of soup. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to pay this lady. What are you doing, hon? I'm paying this lady, uh, you know, 500 <laughs> bucks to get $800 in coupons on Depends. <laughs> what the, the hell is going on in this country? She would design the coupon so it would work. And then you'd buy the coupon. She'd email it to you. And then you go to like CVS and you use it. It's not a Groupon. I am completely gobsmacked that this whole economy existed and that she could somehow bilk 32 million out of it. In three oh. years. In three years. That's hustle. It's a Nearly lot of 11 million diapers. a year worth of coupon fraud. <laughs> I mean, well, wow. She works hard. Give her credit for that. Wouldn't you I, just quit after making 10 million? I, you know, that's the thing. Go buy a couple of margaritas, sit on the beach. That's the problem, man. Kick your feet up next to Clay Helton and Charlie Weiss and all the other people who (laughs) figured out ways to get paid tens of millions of dollars to not work. Nobody ever quits the con. I got paper towels. (laughs) Want a Klondike bar? (laughs) Nobody ever gets off the grift. (laughs) It's uh, unbelievable. Well, she's getting 12 years in the clink, and I bet that... uh, that uh, toilet paper in the prison is not as soft as the <laughs> cottonella. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty scratchy, I would think. <sighs> where is she from? Do we know? Where's she Virginia. going? To, where's she, okay, Virginia, she's going up the she's river going to in Virginia. Federal, she's going to Fed prison. But now okay. we know camp because this is 12 years. Right. This yeah. isn't like the Aunt Becky camp. No. It's not no, you're doing head. hard time. <laughs> Again, I just, these criminals, what were you in for? Stole a bunch of Depends. <laughs> we'll be back later this week uh, for the race for the case picks currently uh someone smart is in first place oh it's me uh 16 7 and 2 pete 14 10 and 1 pat 11 13 and 1 sully 10 14 and 1 we'll try to improve when we make our picks come on back on thursday thank you for listening continue to share us on social media you guys are doing a good job with that more reviews i guess subscriptions uh, tell your friends they're missing out on all the fun if they're not listening to us. We got a shout out on Big Ten Network today. They're listening to us there. Dave Revson, yeah. Yep. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. I mean, it's all happening. It's all happening. And uh, be careful with your couponing. Talk to you later. <laughs> hey, I think she's going to make a killing in prison. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs>